0: okay we're good all right well hey if that song doesn't set up the day i don't know what does so appreciate that and uh just what a good morning we've had so far let me go ahead and add my happy father's day to the mix all you dads out there i have now gotten to bear that title for seven plus years which is really crazy to think about as i think about it and what an incredible privilege it is one of the greatest privileges in my life and uh it's good to be a dad, and I'm just looking around. I'm seeing some, some really great dads out there. Keep it up. You guys uh, make all the difference in the world uh, as you lead our families, as you pour in, as you invest, as you work hard, uh, as you demonstrate good, godly character to us, and uh, we're thankful for you. So happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Yeah. So we're going to dive into that topic of schedule a little bit before we do that. Um, you know, everyone has been talking about these cicadas. But I got to be honest with you, I don't know what all the buzz is about. Uh, come on, a dad joke to start it out, you know, it's pretty good. Like, okay, yeah, I'll have to ask David. He's actually like the Yoda of dad jokes. So I'm going to go ask him later how I did on the delivery, but also on the joke itself, you know. I told Jess she didn't think it was very funny, uh, but uh, anyway, um, real for real though, I really hadn't for the longest time, We hear all about this brood X phenomenon, you know, it's like, you know, these cicadas are coming, we heard for like the longest time, like they're coming and they're going to come in full force, they've been camped out under the ground and they're ready to terrorize us, like, you know, and, and we kept hearing about this and I was just kind of skeptical, I'm like, I, I don't know, you know, I'll just see what happens and, um, Truthfully, we have not really seen a lot of cicadas. There has not been a lot of cicadas around our house. There's not really been a lot of cicadas around here. And so I just didn't really, I'm like, I'm sure it's happening. And the news stories are shown. I even saw where somebody had like wrecked their vehicle because like a cicada had come in there. So they're out there for sure. And I've, I've been told that like in parts of town, they're like older parts of town, there's more cicadas. But the truth is, I just really hadn't seen many of them. And then we drove up just like 10 minutes from our house north, up into Springboro. And it was like just cicada city. Like, it was, it was crazy. I'm like, they're, they're everywhere. They're flying. They're, we're going through this little grove. of, And it's like deafening, like the sound of these things as you're like walking through this grove of trees. And the boys were like, whoa. And they're like landing on us and like all this. and And it was just like totally like otherworldly. It really was. It was crazy. And then I started to realize like this is kind of fun, you know, because I don't know if you've noticed this, but people really don't like these things. And so it's been a joy for me just to sit back and watch people react to cicadas. And I, I don't know, like, what it is, but they're somehow really, you know they're out there because they're chirping in the trees. But you don't really, because they t- almost, like, turn off. They go into, like, stealth mode for a little while until right at the perfect opportune time when they're like right by somebody's face or somebody's ear. And then they just start chirping and buzzing. And it's just so fun to watch people, their different reactions. You know, there's like the matrix thing where like people try to like dodge them or they try to swat them or whatever it is. And so I've just been kind of enjoying that. And uh, we were at the mall the other day, same thing. I just was like watching people like, just watch, like whoa, you know, freak out because the cicadas are definitely terrorizing people. And then same thing at the zoo. Like, oh, we went to the zoo the other day. and it wasn't as bad at the zoo, but they were definitely there, and so your kind of guard was down, and then all of a sudden, you just see one, you know, kind of like flying right at somebody's head, and they'd be buzzing in their ear, and they'd freak out, and I, I was laughing a lot. I just, I got to be honest with you, it was very funny to me, and uh, what I did not realize, though, that my moment of cicada reckoning was coming, right? I've been <laughs> laughing at people all week about this, and I'm like, what is a cicada? It's not going to hurt you. Like, it can't hurt you, and uh, what, what are you going to, like, just get over it, and this was kind of my internal dialogue. And then we're heading out of the zoo, and uh, what I did not realize is at some point, as we're kind of getting loaded into the car, which is a process for us with all of our kids, at some point, a cicada had just sort of quietly landed on my back and just hung out right kind of at the top of my shirt. And we get into the vehicle. Nobody notices. He's just there. He's like, I'm going to get this guy. Like, this guy has been laughing. He thinks, I'm going to get him. And so he, he waited. He, he was patient those little beady eyes breathing on my neck that whole time. Like, it's just like, and we pull out of the parking lot. We're on the road. We're driving down the road. And I just felt something kind of weird on my back. I'm like, like, what is scratching me? Or like, what's back? And I I felt him. And as soon as my hand hit him, he turned on. He starts chirping and then goes into full out buzz. And I just reacted. And my reaction was, get off of me. And I swatted him. Now, I successfully swatted him but I successfully swatted him right into Jess's lap. He's right there in her lap, and he's going, he's going crazy, and I was buzzing around And she's, she's like, ah, ah, you know, she's screaming. The car is chaotic. It's buzzing. Meanwhile, we're in the middle of, like, Martin Luther King Boulevard, and I'm, like, you know, like, just trying to hang on. And he gets kind of knocked somehow into, like, the little door, like, handle area, and he's just in there. And Jess is like, I can't get He's still buzzing. You know, she's like, I'm not getting him. I'm not touching him. I'm like, well, I'm driving, you know, like what, what do you want me to do? Like, I can't, there's no way. And she's like, you're going to have to get him. And so I'm literally like holding the wheel. And I reach over, like grabbed his little, you know, wings. You know, I got him by the wings and I'm still driving. And I just look at him in those beady little eyes. And I was like, your time is short, pal. You know, Let's throw him out the window. And that's the truth. I didn't have to kill him because he's only got like four to six weeks. So, you know, there you go. So I think I had the last laugh, we'll see. But. um, That was a fun little interaction I had with a cicada, and yes, their time is short, four to six weeks above ground, but man, do they get a lot done in four to six weeks above ground, and uh, they're having a great time. But as we think about our own life, as we think about our own schedule, we might say, well, hey, I got more than four to six weeks, but James reminded us that our time is short. We only get so much time above ground. Here's what James has to tell us about that. He says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. And so James, it seems maybe like a sobering reality to kind of start the day with, but we have to kind of wrap our minds and our hearts around this reality that for all of us, in light of eternity, our time is short. We only get so much time above ground that we want to make the most of it. And so as we think about our schedule You know, we think about the days which can be long and busy and trying and taxing, as David had talked about. We think about those days that then become weeks that go, and I'm telling you, I've been a dad for seven years, I don't know where that time went. I really don't. And as we think about our schedules, it's important for us to take a step back and think about the broader picture, the bigger picture of our life that really is here on this earth but a mist, and as I think about this reality, I'm reminded of the fact that, number one, time is a valuable commodity. I'm reminded that each day is a gift. And then there's two things that I've found that most everyone has in common in our time regarding our schedules. Number one, most everyone I talk to, myself included, seems to have a full schedule. I mean, is there anybody that you're really talking to? What's that common question that you ask? Hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm good. I'm just busy, right? I'm just busy, And I don't think people are, they're legitimately busy. Nobody's blowing smoke here. So number one, everyone seems to have a full schedule. Number two, regarding our schedule, everyone seems to believe their schedule is going to just free up eventually. I'm just busy, but, but pretty soon when... Things are going to get, when, when school is out, or, or hey, once baseball season's finally over, we're going to have some more time. We'll get together then, right? When when that time frees up a little bit. Or hey, once the kids are back in school, I'll actually have some time to myself. We'll actually have that time back. Or hey, w- once I get past this deadline at work, right? Then I'll have more time. I'll have more ability. I'll have more margin in my life. But what we learn, those of us that have lived this by experience, is That that next deadline comes after that deadline, right? And that next season of difficulty and challenge and busyness comes after this season, and on and on it goes. It's a cycle. We know that our schedule doesn't just free itself up. We have to take control of it, which is why we're diving in and really kind of trying to lean in and listen to what God might have to say to us today about our schedules. And we really have to do this just stepping back and consider, what do we have to show for all this busyness? I think it's a really important question to say, okay, we're doing a lot, but what do we have to show for all of this busyness that we subject ourselves to and our families to? Because we all know it. We all can at least at some level acknowledge it, but it does take a toll. Corey Tenboom said once said that if the devil can't make you sin, he'll just make you busy. Why? Because both have a way of eroding you from the inside out. Both sin and busyness have a way of disconnecting us from our source of life, of God himself. By the way, besides just reading the Bible here, I'll give you a book that you could read this summer for some summer reading that really captures this topic well. Uh, It's a book that I read that's really informed a lot of what uh, I'm going to speak to you about today, but it's a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer, and uh, just really good. He pulls from a lot of different resources, um, and just I think it's a really great guide on this topic. So I would encourage you with some of that spare time to go and take some time to read and lean into that topic. So... We know that things are busy, and we know that the devil has a way of making us more busy. And what I want to tell you today, and I, and I don't want you to sound overdramatic here when I say this, I think it's true, so goes your schedule, eventually so goes your soul. So goes your schedule, eventually so goes your soul. And again, I don't say that to be dramatic. In fact, I think that the b- greatest predictor of your soul health is your schedule. Show me somebody's schedule, and eventually I think I could predict the content of their soul, where their soul health is. Michael Zigarelli from uh, Charleston Southern University School of Business, he did this study, he conducted this study on the um, obstacles of growth is what he called it. And he surveyed specifically Christians. He surveyed over 20,000 from across the globe. And he identified busyness as a major distraction from the spiritual life, as you can imagine. And here are some of the five conclusions that he makes based on his research. Number one, he says, Christians are assimilating to a culture of busyness, hurry, and overload. So this is conclusion number one, number two, because of that, that leads to God becoming more marginalized in Christians' lives, which then leads to, number three, deteriorating relationships with God, number four, which leads to Christians becoming even more vulnerable to secular assumptions about how to live, with, uh, how to live, which leads to then, number five, more conformity to a culture of busyness, hurry, and overload, and then that cycle begins over and over again. So this is the toll that is being had on our souls. And so in order to reverse this curse, this curse of hurry, we have to shift in a new direction. It's not going to shift itself. It's not going to take control of itself. We have to make the shift. So, And and by the way, all the things that I'm going to give you today, I'm going to give you four, four points here today. All of them I think you'll agree with. I think you'll agree with them. You might even write them down today like, hey, yeah, that's a good principle. That's a good thought. All of these things are good things. I think you're going to agree with them. Uh, But ultimately, they're not going to do much for us if we don't find ways to enact them, to act upon them, to push back against hurry in our lives. We have to take control and allow God to uh, facilitate a new pace for us in our lives. And I think it's important because when I say, so goes your schedule, so goes your soul, we have to understand that we're a group of people that believes that we are creatures that have a soul. That it's not just taking a physical toll on us, it's not just taking an emotional toll on us, it's not just taking a toll uh, on our minds, it is taking a toll on our soul and we have to think about how to do more than just self-care because what we need is more than just self-care, we need soul care. And central to that is our time. And so um, we're going to dig in here just on a few points. But Jesus poses this question. I think it's a, a really important question for us to wrestle with ourselves. And that's this. What good is it for the man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his very soul, his self? And so that's the question that we're wrestling with today, pushing back on hurry and overload. So here's four things for you. Number one, and by the way, if we don't do this first one, The rest of these points, I could give you a million different things that that might marginally help you, but without this one, we're not going to really experience a healthy soul kind of life, and that is reordering your life specifically around Jesus. Now, this is an important first step because while it seems obvious, most of us do the very opposite thing. You might say, well, no, Jesus is important in my life, right? And I would say the same thing. But the truth is, usually what happens is we sort of add Jesus in after the fact, right? Our schedules sort of take care of themselves. And somewhere in the schedule, we sort of grab Jesus, like, oh, yeah, we need to bring Jesus into our schedule a little bit too, right? There was this great illustration that was done one time, and if I was... You know, if, if, if I if I had brought all the material together, I would have done it for you today. But basically, it's always stuck with me. And there was somebody who grabbed like kind of like a big aquarium kind of thing. And they had different size rocks, like all the way down to sand, like this big boulder all the way down to sand. And maybe you've seen some version of this done before. But what happened was they had all of these different materials. Now, if you would put the sand in first, right, the smallest thing in first, and then you kind of built backward and then tried to kind of get this big rock in at the very end, basically it just wouldn't fit. And you can try this at home, try this experiment at home. But if you took that big rock, you put it in first, and then you put the smaller, the, the, the next size in, the next size in, all the way down to the sand, everything had a matter, like it fit in, like in some crazy kind of way. It was all the same substance, it was just ordered differently. And I think what we tend to do is, Jesus is like this big rock in our life, so he should be. But what we try to do is we try to put all the other stuff in our schedule, and then we grab that big rock, and there's just no room. Let's just kind of set it on top, right? There's no room left in our schedules. But what we need to do is the opposite. We need to have Jesus central in our lives, and then everything else orders itself around him. And so I'm not just suggesting that you put him at the top of your list. I'm suggesting that your whole life becomes ordered around Jesus, We don't just make him the most prominent part of your life. We invite him to permeate every corner of our life. We reorder our life around Jesus. We don't order Jesus around our life. And I want you to honestly assess which one you do. And I have to do the same thing. I have to ask the same question. And I'll just be honest with you. This is a difficulty for me. It really is. So there is a significant difference here. We need to order our life around Jesus, not try to, order Jesus around our life. So rather than just inviting him into your schedule, he says this, and, and how about this? This is, rather than just saying, Jesus, come into my schedule, here's what he says. You come to me. You let me occupy your life, and your schedule will flow from there. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30 says, come to me. Are you tired? Are you weary? Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I mean, how many of you would just say, man, that just sounds really, really good? I just need a good rest, just like we sung in that song. Well, Jesus says, well, if you want that rest, if you want that peace, you come to me. You come to me, all who are weary and, and, bro- and uh, burdened. And then he says this, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, this is not just something that we do once, right, and we're done. Like, I've I've made Jesus the Lord of my life, right? I, I was baptized in him. I made a commitment to him. And he's that big rock in my life. This is something that we have to continue to do daily as we reorder our life. It's constant and it's consistent, which is why we practice things like, and we encourage you to practice things like silence, being still, solitude, being alone sometimes, studying really getting into God's word, really doing that study and allowing the words of scripture to really inform our decisions and guide our life. Meditation on scripture, right? To just bury that scripture in our mind, and our heart. Prayer, Sabbath, stopping one day a week and saying, you know what? This is a day just to enjoy and be renewed, by to do the very thing it says here, to come to him, right? Not just to binge a bunch of Netflix, but to come to him, to come into his presence. It's these practices and rhythms that help us take his yoke upon us. The Christian philosopher and scientist Blaise Pascal he comments at one time, "I have discovered that all the unhappiness of men arises from one single fact: that they cannot stay quiet, quietly in their chamber. Because we're so prone to noise, that we're so prone to busyness, that it really drives a lot of the unhappiness that we, we face. We need to be still. We need to." reorder our life our schedule around jesus with the goal of reordering our life second we need a new pace a pace that's necessary to really sustain that soul health and so by the way number one it's a repetitive thing we do we continue to reorder our life around jesus each and every day number two then we reset the pace now, pacing is really important. Those of you that do CrossFit with us, you understand this, right? And, uh, or, you know, any kind of exercise, any kind of, if you've been watching the Olympic trials, right, there is a certain pace that's sustainable, whether you see those guys jump into the pool and they do, like, the 50 meter, which is what I was watching last night. Like, I'm a 50 meter kind of guy. Like, I got 50 good meters in me. And then you see, like, these eight-minute swims, that I'm like, I'm drowning. If we go 800 meters, like, there's no way I am staying above, I can run for that long, I can, there's no way I could swim for that long. And they were showing just these phenomenal swimmers that are able to do that. But pacing is really, really important. Uh, this past week, Steve and I, we used to get to work out together a lot, but because our schedules are a little bit different now, we don't as much. And so there was a day where I had a little window in the afternoon, and, I, and he was here, I was like, hey, let's try to get this workout in together. And so we go out, and it's like rowing, some rowing on the rower, and then you're like carrying uh, some farmers carries like some kettlebells and there's some where you're like holding it up over your head so it's it's a good workout it's a you know more it's not like a sprint it's not a f- 50 meter you know sprint it's like you got to like pace yourself and so but there's also a strategy that sometimes you do or you kind of try to get somebody to bite a little faster pace than they should so you try to push them out of the gate hot you know and then see if it just ruins them along the way and so we have a little fun competition you know between the two of us and uh, so anyway he, he He comes out and he's like, we're right together for a while. And then, you know, right out of the first like round or two, he just like, I'm walking with these, I'm a little ahead of him, and I'm walking with these um, farmers carries. And he decides he's gonna run with the farmers right on past me. And he just looks back at me like smiling, like laughing. And then we get back to the row and he's like, I think I made a mistake, you know? Like, because after that, like it just starts to, you know, so and, and you can't push too hard right out of the gate, right? Pacing is important, and I think what we're seeing is in our time is that there's a much different pace that the world operates out, out, you know, in than what the spiritual man and woman should operate in. We see this time and time again. The American pace is unsustainable for the spiritual life. We're pushing at this pace at the expense of our health, our families, our happiness, our relationship with God. You ever notice, and you've maybe heard this concept of this idea of a walk with God, that it's a walk, you know? And, and I I understand it's called a walk for a variety of different reasons. It's a lifestyle, right? But this idea that it's a walk is interesting to me. And I'm just, I'm not, I've never, anybody loved to just walk? Like, I, some of you are, and that's great. My mother in law loves to walk, and walking is actually kind of nice if you go out and do it. But I'm not a walking kind of person. Like, I just, I feel like if I could get there faster, I might as well get it done faster. Like, I might as well do this. This is my mentality. And this mentality really bleeds into a lot of areas of my life. But it's called a walk with God. And I love what it says in Micah 6.8. It says, He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you. But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. And if we are aiming to walk with God, we have to move at his pace. I try to run all the time, but God is back. He's walking. He's waiting for me He's say, hey, we're, we're walking back here, you know. Take a step back for a second. His pace is much slower than what we are accustomed to. He's an eternal being, right? Walter Adams, who is C.S. Lewis's spiritual director, he made this remark one time. He said, to walk with Jesus is to walk with a slow, unhurried pace. Hurry is the death of prayer, and it only impedes and spoils our work. It never advances it. So we think we're being more productive by moving faster, but I love just the insight here. You're actually impeding your work. You're being less productive because you're trying to operate at this fever pace that's not sustaining your soul. And part of our resetting our pace is, I think, it's just very simply reexamining our schedule frequently. Now, have you ever really sat down and evaluated, okay, here's how I'm spending. I think this is a good practice for all of us to look and say, here's how I'm spending the hours of the day, right? The, the phone thing, it has a little tracker. This is how many hours I'm on the phone. Like, wow, that's, that should really be illuminating to see, right? How much time am I spending, you know, in a variety of different things? And then we have to ask the question, okay, what needs to go? What's eating up needless time? What is not adding any value to you or to others? I don't know if any of you have like, ever read anything like by Bob Goff or like, he has this strategy that I really like, I've mentioned this before, but he says that every Thursday he just quits something. He's like, every th- on Thursdays I quit something, you know, it's like, it's, it's, there's certain things we can't quit, right, but there's a lot of things that we should quit, and every Thursday he's like, all right, what can I quit, like what can I just quit out of my schedule here that is not adding value to me, it's not adding to my spiritual health and well-being and, and the good of others. So maybe that's what you need to do is sit down and assess your schedule. Really look and say, okay, what needs to go? Not so that I can just put more junk in it, in that place, right, but so that I can be have more margin in my life. So number two, I would say reset your pace. Number three, remember your purpose. I think that most of us could probably list out all the things that we have to do in a given week, right? We make lists at the beginning of the week, and we're like, here, this is what I, this is all the things that I have to do, you know? And you start checking. It's a good practice, by the way. I think it's it's a good thing to do. But what we don't often do with that list is we we know all that we have to do in a given week, but we, it's easy to forget why we do what we do in a given week. Like, why, why am I even, what is the purpose, right? When you wake up every day and go to work, and like, what's kind of the purpose here, right? You know, when God made Adam, he gave him a job. Right off the bat, he gave him a job to do. Genesis 2, the Lord God took the man, he put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to care for it. Now, this, by the way, was before the fall. So this was God's design, that there's actually work, that there's actually a need for us to be productive, right? That God gives gives us purpose. He gives Adam purpose right out of the gate. I think some of you are probably saying, are you sure that's, because I'll be honest, my job feels like it's sort of a post-fall kind of a job that I have to live and do every day. I feel the curse of sin every time I'm, like, this is my, it it, it just feels like I'm I'm working the ground with back-breaking labor, and it's a product of the fall. But work, in its true essence, is really a gift from God, and yes, all of us should work at something. We're not meant to be idle either, so don't hear me say that. Work brings purpose. And the principle that Paul Paul offers up in 2 Thessalonians is pretty straightforward. He's sort of blunt in this one. He says this, listen, the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. Okay, got it, Paul. (laughs) You know, the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. And that's not just to be harsh, but it's to say, no, we're meant to add something to the world. We're meant to add something to the kingdom. God has given us purpose. We're going to rot out from the inside out if we don't have purpose in our life. Work is a gift and whatever we do, whatever we work at, my hope for all of us is that it would be pregnant with passion. And now you might say, well, you don't know my job. Well, that might be true, but why has God? Who has God put you around that you can live with passion, that you can make an impact in that place? It's not just about finding a new job or finding a new place, but living in a way that you're passionate about what you do because you are, as the Bible tells us, working wholeheartedly as for the Lord, not for man. I mean, it's very simple in that sense. So every day, regardless of what you do, when you go to that job or you're, spend, you say, well, "Hey, I'm." you know, or or this guy, my boss is really a jerk, you know, I don't really like this guy, you know, and you think that's an excuse to maybe not give it your all. You're not working for your boss. You're working wholeheartedly as for the Lord and not for men. But when we lose our passion, we lose our purpose, when we lose our purpose, we lose everything. I, uh, it's been really, really cool. This week, we get to have a celebration on, on June 24th here with Roger and Jackie. And they have been just, they came out of retirement, you know, to, they, they, they were planning to kind of do this retirement thing like most people do, like at this stage of life, right? And uh, they came out of retirement because they understood a vision that got in place really on the collective part of our church here to be uh, a presence in our community and to use a coffee house as a place to practice hospitality and to do goodwill and to serve others. And so they came out of retirement to get to do that and uh, I, I could get emotional about it honestly because they're getting ready to retire as of the end of this month and so we're gonna kinda formally celebrate them and encourage you guys any of you that are available to come out on June 24th here on Thursday specifically from 10 to noon and just hang out as uh, specifically at noon uh, we're just going to take some time to honor them and appreciate them and celebrate the three and a half years that we've had uh, together but uh, they have sacrificed so that they can uh, to, to, to be a part of that and to pour in in that way and by the way um, Roger has a surgery um, tomorrow on his shoulder. I would just encourage you guys to be praying for that, praying for that surgery, and uh, we can't wait for you to be just getting healthy so that you can re- enjoy that retirement for real this time, right? And uh, so we're excited about that. But um, I say all that to say it's it's I can remember now. It's been three and a half years. It's crazy to me. It's been three and a half years. Um, but when we were kind of back and we were really setting the tone for what we were going to be about and. Um, And in just a second here, I'm going to give you a prayer that Jackie has prayed that I really think captures this. Because one of the things you have to do every morning when you're kind of going through the mundane of it all, and it's not all fun, right? There's challenges, there's hard. You got to remind yourself of why you're doing what you're doing. I think they've done that. And I got to sit down with the Kala Coffee House staff this past week as we prepare for this transition and. and uh, I, I basically was just like, hey, I want you guys to understand the why. I want you to remember why we started this to begin with, the why of Kala, Kala. And it can be easy day-to-day of just doing your job to lose sight of the why to begin with. But I told him, listen, Kala is a Greek word for good. And it really comes from this Matthew five sixteen passage that says this, In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good, Kala, deeds, and glorify your Father in heaven. And so, this is the whole purpose behind what we do over here. And they've been able to carry that out and commit themselves to that mission. And we want to carry on that legacy, right? And continue to do as much. What really, and I, if I could just solidify the, the mission here, it's this to do as much good, Kala, to do as much good as possible for as many people as possible, giving as much glory as possible to God. And as I think about it, that's really all of our mission, right? That's all of our mission as the people of God, and I still remember that first day we opened, and Jackie uh, was like, hey, guys, can we come together for prayer? Like, that's how we want to start this journey together. Like, let's come together for prayer, and so we're standing behind that little counter out there, and she just prayed this prayer that I wish I had a recording of all of it just to play back. It was just one of these prayers that was just so heartfelt, so genuine, and it was a prayer that I knew God would honor. And she still prays a version of that prayer every single day before she goes into Kala. And I, I love this prayer. I want, to, I want you to hear it. She, said, she had her write it down for me the other day. Lord, thank you for another day. Thank you for our customers, for our causes, for our staff. Thank you for calling us on this journey. Help us to shine your light on all who come through our door today and always. And what if that was really our prayer to start each day? God, thank you for another day. Thank you for calling me on this journey. Anybody that comes into my life today, God, I just ask that you would allow me to shine my light on them. Then it's not meaningless. Then it has purpose again, the purpose. So what if regardless of your job or where God has placed you in this season, you woke up every morning with that kind of gratitude and that kind of grit that comes with it? Remembering why you do what you do, not just what you do each and every day. We all are called to do as much good as possible for as many people as possible, giving as much glory to God as possible. And I think that if we can get those three things in order, number four comes a little bit more naturally. But I also think this is a conscious choice as well, and that's this to reclaim your joy. I think this is ultimately the outcome of a soul that is ordered around Jesus. It's joy. That doesn't mean everything's easy every day, right? That doesn't mean that we don't face the difficulties that the rest of the world faces. But it does mean we have a different perspective about them. Because we have the presence of God in our life and in our heart. Psalm 37 says this, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your hearts. And maybe you've heard that old saying, all work and no play makes Jack a doll boy. Right? I fear that in a time that we're living when hurry is so common, we are at risk of becoming dull boys and girls, losing our sense of wonder, being stripped of our true joy. And maybe as you think about your weeks, you think about your days, you think, you know what? You know what? I'm not that happy. I am struggling. It is hard for me to find joy in the midst of it. If that's true, I'd encourage you to back up and look at steps one through three again and say, okay, where do I need to reorder some things? Where do I need to reset a pace? Where do I need to remember why God has put me on this planet? And ask his help to walk through those things. But I believe that God has hardwired us for wonder If you don't believe me, you should spend some time in the nursery. I got to work in there the other day and just watching. I mean, the simple thing, you just blow some bubbles and they're like, like, wow, like, that's amazing, you know? Like, I just remember when you were kids and there was just this sense of wonder about things, right? What if we grabbed the hold of that wonder again that's hardwired within us, that playful spirit? Every day, Eli asked me before bed, Dad, what are we going to do tomorrow? Every single day, it's the same question, right? It's like repetition for him. He usually waits till I'm out of the room, calls me back in, right? Hey, hey, dad, dad, you know, little procrastination, you know, trying to, trying to push back bedtime. But he really does. He looks forward to each day with anticipation, like what's tomorrow going to bring? Like, like what, tell me about tomorrow. And I think that we shouldn't let a day go by without seizing it, that whole carp DM. Seize the day. But the biblical principle is even better because... Regardless of the contents of the day, the Bible, biblical word is to rejoice in the Lord. When? Rejoice in the Lord. Somebody. Always. Always, right? Rejoice. And Paul's like, I'm going to say it again. Rejoice, right? This should be what our lives look like rather than a, try to just escape life's pressures, which is most people try to do, right? We just need some sort of escapism, Right? God's calling us to lean into the into life, right? Every bit of it, to soak it up, to love well, to play hard, to choose joy. I just want to give you one final picture as we conclude. We bought this, you know, because of this. I want to make sure that we're enjoying the summer and we're having great moments together. You know, we're soaking up all of them. And um, don't don't get me wrong; we have just as many, you know chaotic moments in the car and you know all of these sort of but we're leaning into the summer right we're trying to make the most of the summer and really just have a great time so we bought Mason pool passes and we're like so we've been to the pool a couple times this week and it, it it's really fun our kids love it and uh, they've got a great pool over there and uh, we're just out playing in the pool. And the first day we went there, like we're just having a good time. There's a lazy river. There's slides. We're throwing balls across the pool. There's cannonballs. There's squirt guns. You know, you're splashing. So this is like a great time. And I'm having a fun. I, like I'm like a kid. Like I'm just just like I'm just having a great time with all of them. And uh, we're, it was just so much going on in the pool area. Like there's just kids everywhere shouting and laughing, and just this is like the epitome of joy. Like that's what it is, right? And then all of a sudden, they blow this whistle just like that. I'm like, what's going on? Maiden and, and I are at the top of the slide. Like, what's going on? And they just look, the, the guy kind of bends over to Aiden. He's like, I'm sorry, buddy. You can't go down the slide. It's Adult Swim. And he's like, he's like, what? Like, this concept is like totally adult swim what is that he's talking to me about adult swim the whole way. Like, what does that mean adult swim I was like I, it's just a time when the kids get out of the pool so the adults like don't have to get splashed in the face and like you know and they could just chill out right and so for 15 minutes there's a it's literally like when they blow that whistle all of the joy in the entire complex just gets sucked out of the room it's like oh it's adult swim cool and even me I'm like Like, I don't, I don't, I like kids swim better. You know, I want to get out there and splash and have a good time. You know, so no more basketball, no more cannonballs. Just a couple of ladies like waiting in the pool, you know. And uh, and Aiden's like, oh, He's like, how long does adult swim last? You know, like when's it going to be over? And uh, you know, it's like 15 minutes. So all the kids are just on the side like just counting down the moments. When that whistle blows again and it's kids swim again, you know, and then all of just joy breaks loose. And I want to give you that picture because I feel like as the people of Jesus, the beloved of God, we have a heart that was made for kids swim. I mean, this is who we are. We live each day in anticipation of the endless joy that is to come on the other side of this earth. And so each and every day here is just a celebration and anticipation of what's going to be waiting for us on the other side. No whistle can steal our joy, right? We were made for kids' swim. And so I just want to tell you this morning as we wrap up, regardless of your schedule, regardless of the season that you're in right now, I know this is easier said than done, regardless of our circumstances, let's keep doing what Paul has told us to do. Rejoice. Rejoice. Keep choosing joy. Say it again. Rejoice. Regardless of what fills your schedule, may there be no shortage of joy. Regardless of what happens around you, may kids swim well up within you. As we live each day in appreciation of our present reality in Christ, and we live each day in anticipation of our eternal future with Christ. May joy abound, friends. May it bleed into every corner of your schedule. I just want to leave you with 1 Thessalonians 5.16. This says this, rejoice always. Pray continually give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Go play hard this week. Choose joy and delight yourself in the Lord. Let's continue to rejoice here in just a moment and continue to rejoice uh, as we step into this next week. Let's pray. God, thank you that despite all that goes on in our world's day in and day out, God, that we can make a choice to reconnect with you and regardless of what maybe even this last year has looked like, Sometimes maybe we feel guilty, like we haven't paid attention to you and that you're going to maybe just give us the cold shoulder when we turn back, but you're waiting with open arms if we would just reach out and take hold of you once more, God, and so I'm grateful for that. I know that I don't give you the kind of time that you deserve in my life, and I know that we're all guilty of it. We all fall into those habits and patterns of just saying, hey, Jesus, just come into my schedule. I'll fit you in where I can But God, I just pray for the people in this room that we could be true disciples of Jesus, those that really consciously decide to order our entire life around you, to take on your yoke, to take on your pace, and really, God, receive the gift of joy and the fullness of life that you offer. We love you so much, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.